doesn't pay. It doesn't pay to fade players in fantasy football. That would be my advice to any new analyst getting in this business. Just tout everybody. It's not worth it to be realistic about players. It's just not. It buys you nothing. Go to the YouTube channel for Roto Underworld Radio. Go to YouTube, type in Roto Underworld Radio, and go to any video where I attempt to temper expectations and read those comments. Just homerism run rampant across sports media consumption. Just stop it. Stop being such an irrational, obtuse homer. Stop giving my videos a thumbs down when I'm just being realistic, man. And look at my track record, especially with running backs. Oh, yes. It's been exceptional. Avoid Doug Martin. Avoid CJ Anderson. Avoid Jay Ajayi. Avoid Jordan Howard. And those were just the high-profile guys, right? Avoid Isaiah Crowell. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on down the list. If you want to fade a guy, fade into me. You want to know why? Because most players underperform expectations. <laughs> yeah, that's the great secret. If you want to be right, you should take the under on any given player's total fantasy points for the season. If you care about being right, but being right doesn't matter. Being right when a player exceeds expectations is all that ever shows up on the scoreboard on YouTube. Those videos have the 50 to 1 thumbs up to thumbs down ratio. Those are the videos that get queued to play over and over and over and over and over and over again on our YouTube page. So the whole system is rigged against criticizing players, which makes the Roto Underworld correct criticism of so many players all the more impressive. I mean, just look at the wide receiver position. The top 36 wide receivers averaged 226 PPR fantasy points in 2016. The top 36 are projected to finish under that average in 2017. And the drag is primarily the result of lackluster production from the elite wide receiver class from Jordy Nelson to Mike Evans to Des Bryant. But no one wanted to hear criticism of Jordy Nelson, Mike Evans, and Des Bryant this offseason. No one wanted to hear you shouldn't be drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in the first round because he's beginning the season injured. That analysis fell on deaf ears. Literally, you held your hands to your ears and said, I don't want to hear it. Just raw, unadulterated cognitive dissonance. As a fantasy analyst, your best bet is to hype the obscure player, right? The asymmetrical tout. We've talked about this before. If the unknown quantity somehow becomes known and you were the first one shining a light on that player, that provides the biggest boost to your brand as a fantasy analyst. And that's why I am aggressively acquiring Jeremy McNichols. As I speak to you in front of this microphone, I am attempting to acquire Jeremy McNichols in every single Dynasty League. I was first to Jeremy McNichols, and there is indisputable recorded audio evidence 
of my asymmetrical Jeremy McNichols tout when we interviewed Jeremy McNichols on these airwaves. And instead of asking tough questions, I just fawned. Oh, what's it like, Jeremy, to truck defenders on the second level? Tell us what it's like. How does that feel when you break into the open field? Talk to us, Jeremy. Never stop! Because Jeremy McNichols' best comparable player on player profiler is Melvin Gordon. He checks the boxes we want our running backs to check. First of all, he's very sturdy. Start there. The 31.6 BMI. That's important. He has an all-purpose back stature. He has an all-purpose back resume. 41.4% college dominator, 89th percentile. And he did that for two straight years. He was that dominant at Boise State to go along with the 11% college target share. So he was not only dominating team yardage with rushing, but also receiving. Then he ran a sub 4.540, which equates to a 105.3 77th percentile speed score with an above average burst score, which is the vertical jump and the broad jump mixed together into one equally weighted metric, as well as an 1121 65th percentile agility score. So across the board, Jeremy McNichols is an excellent athlete who was also exceptionally productive at the college level. This is a running back that just needs an opportunity. And he was cut in Tampa because old school rough, rough, rough coach who has a zero tolerance for fumbles in practice, Dirk Cutter, decided Jeremy McNichols belonged on the practice squad. And when they tried to send him to the practice squad, the 49ers poached him. He was offended when Tampa cut him. In order to sign a player to your practice squad, he has to have been cut. As a fifth-round pick and a mega-producer at the college level, Jeremy McNichols was understandably insulted when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers waived him at the end of training camp. That's one of the reasons why he signed with the San Francisco 49ers. The other reason is his agent undoubtedly believes that Kyle Shanahan planned to implement an above-average running scheme in San Francisco. I don't know if that's true. I'm not a coach worshiper. I wouldn't make decisions where I'm going to work based primarily on who the head coach is. I think that would be a secondary factor in my decision making. But in August, Kyle Shanahan was widely viewed as a genius. Just a couple months ago, it was genius Kyle Shanahan who can transform the San Francisco running game just as he transformed the Atlanta running game and make the 49ers the most efficient running team in the NFL. That was the perception, and that's partially why Jeremy McNichols is now on the 49ers. And the 49ers will benefit from it because now Carlos Hyde is a full-blown, all-purpose, bell cow workhorse back. He's succeeding in every phase of football, and good for Carlos Hyde. We've been enthusiastic about what Carlos Hyde can do this season, and he has delivered. But he's also on the final year of his contract, and the 49ers are rebuilding. And it makes sense that they would let Jeremy McNichols carry the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield so that they can preview what they have. Of course, you want to give Jeremy McNichols touches. It's part of the self-scouting process. During the season... It's much more difficult to self-scout your roster because most practices are not padded. When the players are not playing at full speed, it's much more difficult to evaluate them. And until you see Jeremy McNichols in a game situation playing at full speed, you can't properly evaluate him. So I believe the 49ers will insert Jeremy McNichols into the lineup on a regular basis as the season winds down. And I believe he will exceed expectations. 
And by week 17, anyone that had Jeremy McNichols stashed on their Dynasty League roster will be heading to YouTube and giving my Jeremy McNichols tout videos a big thumbs up. Please do that. Cancel out all the thumbs downs that I've received. Pleading with fantasy gamers not to draft Kelvin Benjamin. And I can see it. Week 17, the 49ers give Jeremy McNichols 20 touches. And I will have played Jeremy McNichols on No Halftime. That's right. Go to NoHalftime.com. Search No Halftime in your app store. And you can initiate individual player prop bets. You can play Jeremy McNichols against other running backs in week 17. I highly suggest you do that a month from now. But in the meantime, get that No Halftime app. And when you sign up, use the promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 50% deposit bonus up to $50. I can't wait to see the San Francisco offense with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, Marquise Goodwin in that number one wide receiver chair, George Kittle, the starting tight end, and Jeremy McNichols, the primary running back. Oh, I can't wait to see this. And when this day comes, you can also take advantage of it on Draft. So go to the App Store, get that Draft app as well, or go to PlayDraft.com. And once you and your buddies have had your fantasy teams eliminated, go set up an eight-team league on Draft. It's a one-week fantasy league. You draft a unique roster that competes against your friends' unique rosters. No one is allowed to own the same player. All the rosters are unique, and it's great. It's how one-week daily fantasy should be played. When you sign up, use that promo code UNDERWORLD and get free entry into your first contest with a deposit of $10 or more. Now, I'm about to talk to someone that I admire greatly in this industry. His name is David Kitchen. He is the creative director over at Roto Grinders, and you can follow him at Soccer Dave, S O C R D A V E, on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio program, David Kitchen. David Kitchen from Fantasy Insiders and Roto Grinders. He has multiple shows on Sirius XM, 1 to 2 p.m., the Roto Grinders show during the day and at night, 12 to 2 a.m., the Fantasy Insiders show. He's also the creative director now at Roto Grinders. This guy is doing everything, including the Swolecast on Fridays, which we all know and love. David Kitchen, talk to me. Hey, it's, uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. Usually, I'm in the host chair. I always uh, I always like being in the in the guest chair though because it's fun. We are you know hashtag blessed that yes. uh, we <laughs> that we get to do this during the middle of the day or other people are uh, you know at work at their office jobs. I'm not even gonna lie. It's uh, it's ten fifteen here now in uh, in Nashville. And uh, the office at Roto-Grinders probably hasn't even opened up yet. Like, uh, it's a cool place to work. I love working at Roto-Grinders now. Uh, just had a baby, too, so a lot of stuff going on. Woo! But uh, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. It's uh, It's been fun. I get to do the uh, the Roto-Grinders show and, and do, like, DFS stuff, the Swolecast with DFS stuff, and then season-long stuff on the Fantasy Insider show on the what we call the primetime slot, the the midnight <laughs> two a.m. slot. We get the truckers, we get the you know the uh, the blue collar workers, the, the the stoners tuning in, and you know we get a little more um, leniency as far as the some of the topics that we get to talk about. Yes, I like the explicit 
content. We are one of the few fantasy football podcasts with that E on iTunes for explicit. Yeah, I'm loving life, man. Looking out my window right now, watching others rake my leaves in the middle of the day. Yes, we've made it, Dave. <laughs> Love it. You know who else has made it? Who's that? Alvin Kamara. <laughs> right? You I mean, right? this guy. I mean, this is a top five performances, four straight weeks at the running back position. Can you explain this to me? Because I um, liked him coming into the situation in New Orleans, but I mean, this is, come on. I mean, come on. Okay, so the way that um, I, I live in Tennessee, but I'm not a a, a, tennis, a UT fan. You know, they they got stuff's burning around. Like I can smell the uh, the, the dumpster fire from here as far as the, the Tennessee program. And one of the one of the the for whatever reason they did not use Alvin Kamara as much as they should have at no. Tennessee. Just a, another reason why Butch Jones was probably the worst at Tennessee because he was averaging almost like six yards a touch there, and they just refused. He was in a timeshare with Jalen Hurd his junior year or, or sophomore year. You know, this is a guy that was recruited and, and played at Alabama before moving to uh, to Tennessee. He's he has the skill set, and as a pass catching back, I loved him. And then he went to New Orleans after they had gotten Adrian Peterson, and they they had Mark Ingram as well. And I just hated it. I hated it because I loved I loved Alvin Kamara so much, and it seemed like he just was not going to get the touches or the exposure they needed. And so for where he was drafted in season long drafts, I, I let him go. I let him go to someone else that drafted him earlier and I'm paying the price this year. But he has maybe money in daily daily fantasy and he is proving all the haters wrong. He's just a, a huge boost to this New Orleans offense. Most elusive running back uh, does it all. You can't say enough good things about Alvin Kamara. Yeah, two years at Tennessee, 74 receptions. Yeah. If you're going to draft a rookie running back, draft a pass catcher with true elite pass catching chops evidenced by the reception totals at Tennessee, who's going to a high volume offense. Yeah. It's just very easy math. Like the calculus, very easy. It's not even calculus. I mean, it's not even basic math. I mean, my daughter is in first grade. She was drafting Alvin Kamara because it's literally one plus one equals two, or in this case, lots of receptions at the college level plus the New Orleans Saints equals RB1 in fantasy. I mean, my daughter is six and she knew that math this summer. Yes. I mean, hey, come on. Yeah, but we did not know that New Orleans was going to change their whole game plan. Uh, some of it has to do with uh, the game script earlier on and, and just seeing him in that role as a pass catcher. Oh, wow, this guy's good. He's making the most of his touches. We can get rid of uh, Adrian Peterson. And now we've got this situation. I'm just going to go a little bit, uh, put on my tinfoil hat real quick. Remember last year they had the uh, the bon the touchdown bonus in Mark Ingram's contract? Yes. And he got so pissed, so pissed because he didn't get the ball. Those last, uh, I think it was the last game. Sideline eruption. Yes, yes. Now we have word Sunday that oh. came out that Mark Ingram, if he makes the All Pro list, uh, if he if he becomes an All Pro this season, he immediately becomes a free agent. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put on my conspiracy hat and say. 
especially after Sunday, last Sunday, maybe they start evening out the carries even more. I we know that uh, Kamara has, uh, you know, he's capable of out snapping Ingram. Maybe they start giving him a little bit more carries as well. Because there's one thing we know about the New Orleans Saints: they hold nothing but contempt for Mark Ingram. I mean, that's a fact. They give him carries to the frustration of fantasy owners through the years. And yet he doesn't feel like they appreciate him enough. It's very weird. We wish that Mark Ingram would just go away so often because he's not athletic. And running backs like Alvin Kamara could do even more with those touches. And Alvin Kamara or Kamara. Is it Kamara or Kamara? I always say um, Kamara. It might be Kamara. I also changed the um, the enunciation of Mariota to Mariota because maybe I'm maybe I'm using the same kind of ah. Uh, well, I know. Well, Mariota is correct. I've started yes. to hear more and more broadcasters say Camara, so I yeah. might have to switch over to Camara. No offense if I switch over to Camara, but now that we see a running back with burst. So you see the Camara burst score, 132.7, 93rd percentile on playerprofiler.com, juxtaposed next to Mark Ingram, a 110.1, 10th percentile burst score. In the vertical jump and the broad jump, Mark Ingram was going nowhere at the NFL scouting combine. He was an Alabama back that was airdropped into the perfect situation for a fantasy running back. But when you put a player with real juice in that offense, this is what you get. You get 7.1 yards per carry. I've never seen a qualified running back post 7.1 yards per carry through 12 weeks. I've been doing player profiler, tracking the stats since 2013. I've yet to see that. 8.3 yards per touch. I've yet to see that. We started tracking breakaway runs, runs over 15 yards, 10.4% breakaway run rate. That's number one in the league. I've yet to see that. Breaking runs at a 10% clip at this point in the season for a running back who's played in every game, this doesn't even register with my brain that understands the probability of these kinds of outcomes on the football field. I just don't get it. I don't get it, and it's spectacular. I love that I don't get it. There's nothing I love more than not understanding how the fuck Alvin Kamara is doing this, or Kamara, and you have to point to the offensive line, right? So you have the number one run blocking unit. We track yards created, so yards before contact, as well as runs stuffed. We run it through an equation, and it spits out run blocking efficiency on playerprofiler.com. 117.2 run blocking efficiency score for the Saints is number one in the NFL. So you put a guy with great burst behind an offensive line that opens up wide holes. And this is my favorite thing. I love this skill set alignment when you have the wide running lanes and a running back with great burst it just makes sense that they can get to zero to 60 very quickly hit that hole at speed and then of course they can then hit vectors on the second level right 45 degree angle boom it's a 12 yard run and he barely even exerted effort (laughs) right it's crazy and then when he does exert effort he makes a move it's a 30 yard run that's what's happening yeah because he's just exploding through that hole so quickly and it's so wide and the defense is already geared to stop drew Brees from the beginning it's the perfect it really is the perfect storm the ideal conditions to see fantasy football running back efficiency reach heights we've never seen so let me ask you this 
Because if this was like earlier on in the season, would you buy or would you sell? It's interesting that uh, uh, Drew Dinkmeyer, who's been one of my best friends and who's been on this wonderful podcast before. um, It's interesting because he started – Drew always – he always has a mindset of, okay, let's figure this out. And, uh, you know, this cannot be happening. So he took the first five weeks of Kareem Hunt and compared it with the last five weeks of uh, Alvin Kamara. Kamara is the uh, correct pronunciation. I just looked it up. It is Kamara, so we're right. I've been saying it wrong, but now we're right. I'm admitting that I was wrong, so now I can be right. So officially, moving forward, I'm always going to be right about this. It's like with Cooper Cup. I admitted that I'm wrong mm-hmm. already. I, yeah. I came out publicly strongly admitting I was wrong in late September. So now I'm right whenever Cooper Cup exceeds expectations like he did this week. I'm going to be right from now on with this Alvin Kamara pronunciation. And you were saying about Drew Dinkmeyer. Yeah, so uh, so he compared like just the uh, the amazing results that Kareem Hunt got after five weeks and compared him to the last five weeks for Alvin Kamara. So with that being said, fewer opportunities for Kamara as far as touches go, but still making the most of them and uh, and getting touchdowns with them. Unfortunately, like we kind of see this with we, we saw this with Chris Thompson before the injury, right? Like we know how talented of a back he is. We also heard multiple times throughout the season that Washington was not giving him any more touches like he, like he had a ceiling of touches. You kind of have to wonder if this is going to be with Alvin Kamara. Like there's the sustainability. It's like Ricky Sills Jones over the past two weeks. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know that he can keep this up, but I do know that he's a good running back. I think Kareem Hunt is a good running running back. I don't know what's going on there in Kansas City right now, but uh, those numbers are going to come down as far as yards per touch uh, and just the, the big runs for Kamara. But he has had an unreal season, and, uh, and, and I've loved seeing it because I was a big fan of his at Tennessee. My co-host, he will kill me if I don't say that he took a lot of flack in September, or in August, rather, for saying that Alvin Kamara was going to be the best rookie running back this year. Woo! Because at that time, you had Fournette, uh, you had Christian McCaffrey, you had Dalvin Cook. Joe Mixon was going ahead of Kamara. Mixon as well. By the way, uh, the Mixon haters, they they had a nice glass of uh, shut the hell up on They've Sunday. slinked away. <laughs> I was waiting for them to speak up. And I heard nothing. It really was a silencing that Joe Mixon rained down silence on the critics this week. It's amazing how good you look when you play the Browns. The run defense hasn't been that bad, to be fair. I want to be clear about this Kamara situation. This is unsustainable, okay? Anyone that's listened to this show for any length of time knows what this means. The fact that we've never seen a running back this efficient at this point in the season can only mean one thing. It's all about to end soon. You always fade extreme efficiency. Yeah. Always, always, always. I don't care. I mean, we've explained it, right? I've explained 50% of Alvin Kamara using playerprofiler.com. Do you want to know what the other remaining 50% of the explanation is? Randomness. Variance, baby. Pure random chance. A running back falling down a safety attacking 
the running back at the wrong angle. Mm -hmm. As defenses are more familiar with the skill set that the running back is bringing to the table, these long runs cease to materialize. This is what happens. The screws of the schedule start to tighten. What do you think happens? Oh, suddenly those long runs aren't available. Oh, suddenly the team is punting in a situation where they would have been in first down in a previous week. And now they're playing the Falcons, who have a run defense against running backs that is average, which is a huge improvement from the Falcons' run defense against running backs in years prior. They'll face the Jets, and they'll face the Panthers in the weeks ahead. The Jets and the Panthers have above-average run defenses against running backs. So the ground will start to shift under Alvin Kamara, and the assumptions about his production need to be tethered to his opportunity share. You're going to start to see some projections leave the Earth's gravitational pull and untether themselves from the opportunity share, and that is going to be a mistake. On our weekly projections, his opportunity share will always be the primary driver of his projection. We will never have Alvin Kamara projected in the top five running backs. He may continue to get there as he's been getting there every week the last month. But he will exceed expectations by doing it because you can never expect a running back to be this efficient. So I don't think that Alvin Kamara is a great GPP play because the salary level keeps escalating and there's no more value. The value has been drained out of Alvin Kamara. He was a great GPP play in November. He's going to be a terrible GPP play in December. Unless something happens to Mark Ingram. Well, of course. Right. <laughs> and it's, whatever. Then he should yeah. be the number one running back in fantasy at that point. But that's another story. Yeah, it's Team Jamma Men with uh, Lev Bell and David Johnson. Yeah, then it's like, then they put him right up there with Le'Veon Bell. Fine. But as of right now, he's, he's a satellite back plus. So we like to categorize players. He's not an all-purpose back yet. He's still a satellite back plus. And in that offense, in that context, the Satellite Back Plus is an RB1 in fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, One good thing about Kamara is that unlike some of these other guys, unlike some of these air running backs, that he does feel like he's a little bit game script proof from uh, a floor perspective. Like he has done well with uh, with big runs and he has done. Obviously, they put up that that long win streak and he still, you know, they weren't. They, they weren't down, but really those last two games, and he still did very well. They've got the, the Panthers coming up, and then you mentioned that uh, Falcons game. I think that's the Thursday night game, so only four days of rest. Maybe he even gets some uh, some more... Uh, some more love if they try to even out the carries there versus the Falcons. But two very good games coming up as far as versus the Panthers. They're right now a four-point favorite over the Panthers. And after that, they got the Falcons. Big uh, conference implications here. Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons used to be just red meat for the satellite backs. I mean, they gave up the most receiving yards and receiving touchdowns to running backs the last few years. I mean, that is all course corrected. They are giving up a high number of receptions, 68 receptions allowed to running backs. 523 yards is still high, but it's not in that atmosphere where they used to be, right? So three receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs. This is all back to the mean for the Atlanta Falcons defense. So 
I think Alvin Kamara may be viewed as a very strong play based on the reputation of the Atlanta Falcons defense, which is no longer a reality in 2017. So in that way, I will be fading Kamara in daily fantasy for the Mm -hmm. remainder of the season because they play Atlanta two more times in the next four weeks. Right. Yeah. um, Yeah. I'm not. uh, I'll probably be. I will be fading. I had a few good weeks of Camara. We had it. Let's enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. It It was great. He'll probably be back during playoffs. The champagne glasses are empty, Dave. My head is spinning. I'm ready to go home. (laughs) You understand that? I'm. I understand. The room is starting to spin on me, and I'm ready to go home. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my bed right now after this Alvin Kamara party. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. The Kamara breakout has been a, a fun narrative to follow. It's been great. Hopefully he'll help me win some fantasy championships. Yeah. But he's not going to show up in as many DFS lineups moving forward. Yeah, I hope there are point chasers this week. And, uh, you know, there might be egg on my face if he does this again. But I hope there are point chasers this week that um that pay that price tag for a lack of volume against the the Panthers um because I feel like that salary's best used elsewhere. Yeah. Camara is a sucker play this week against the Panthers. And what about Jarek McKinnon? Jarek McKinnon has been a sucker play the last few weeks and I'm raising my hand I am that sucker. Has Latavius Murray surpassed Jarek McKinnon as a fantasy option sadly? Yeah, um, you know, I think one important note is that we didn't expect Minnesota to be this good with Case Keenum, right? It's like we knew that they were good. They were like pretty good last year. They had a good start last year. Terrible offensive line. So when Jarek McKinnon finally got that chance, it, it just it did not work out because he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. You almost saw a little bit of that on Thanksgiving. There were like two straight run plays in a row where they hit him like five yard behind five yards behind line of scrimmage. Yeah, that was vintage Jarek McKinnon. Made me sad. Yeah, as soon as he got the ball, it's like okay, you can't really um, like. I think it was Davis was not even watching the game. He just messages. He's like, Jesus, what is McKinnon doing? I'm like, you're not even watching the game. Like he had, that wasn't his fault. Like there's like that. You can't do anything about that. He's a freak athlete. Getting texts from the box score watchers. That's always fun, right? Yeah, exactly. The The thing is, I was even a little upset because, uh, I, you know, I played Jarek McKinnon in DFS. I, I own Jarek McKinnon in my seasonal leagues. It's the third year for us Jarek McKinnon truthers. Woo, woo. And it uh, it worked out. Worked out. And then on the like, at least I thought I was getting two minute drill, Jarek McKinnon, because in PPR leagues, that has been gold. Thank you. Because yes. it's just check down, check down, check down in those two minute drills. And then off he goes. Yeah, Latavius Murray was in the two minute drill. I'm oh. like, no, no, no. Get him out. We want we want Jarek McKinnon. Maddening. It's going to come down to game script. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. It is. You know, they they play Atlanta this week yes. and uh, have a favorable matchup against, um, you know, against a defense that can allow some decent uh, yards to the air to opposing. Marvin Jones made Xavier Rhodes look human last week. Yeah. So, um, you know, I th- I think they are dogs to Atlanta. They're on the road. So I think Jarek McKinnon could still be a thing this week. Yes. Um, we do have some we do have some choices to make. 
Like I've got Jarek McKinnon um, and my homely. I've got Jarek McKinnon and Rex Burkhead and Doug Martin and LaShawn McCoy and like not even Danny Wood. I'd be throwing Danny Woodhead in that, but it's like a hot mess, right? Um, And I don't like I don't know now who to play between Burkhead and McKinnon. Oh, that's tough. I think you go Burkhead there just because Burkhead is part of a higher scoring offense. Right. You know he's going to get touches as a featured part of that Patriots machine. Yeah, now we know, though. I feel like now we know with Burkhead his floor is higher, but I think that McKinnon's ceiling is always one of the highest because of his explosiveness. He's always a threat to give you two touchdowns, one of them being a 50-yard run. So if you feel like you're in solid footing in your matchup, I think you go with Burkhead. If you feel like you're a dog in the matchup, go with McKinnon. The matchup still, um, the, you know, there's just there's not a lot of touchdown equity with uh, Jarek McKinnon because of Latavius Murray. Like, just get him <sighs> out of there. Just get him out. Like, I didn't, I mean, I'm not saying that I want him, like, seriously hurt, but I was wanting, like, an ankle tweak on Thanksgiving. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to deny it. Well, he's actually healthier. That's the problem is that right. as the weeks go on, Latavius Murray is getting healthier and it's frustrating. He has one skill, which is running in a straight line through a wide running lane. And that's what yeah. Minnesota is providing. They had that that uh, series immediately to start the Ugh. second half, where it's just five rushes, touchdown. Jerick McKinnon gets to the two, and I'm like, keep him in. You know, that's when you're like watching the sideline. You're watching as they they you know pan to Jerick McKinnon. I hate watching football in that state. Is Ugh. he going to leave? Are they going to show him heading to the sideline, or is he staying in the huddle? Ugh. Let him stay. Let him say no. Where are you going? They were giving him those carries earlier in the season, and now yeah. Yeah. they're subbing him out. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Do you pivot so, to so, Kenyon Drake? Is he a free square running back du jour this week? Yeah. Uh, no Damian Williams. So I was wrong about this uh, as well, and we'll admit it, because like in some best ball leagues and some seasonal leagues, I drafted Damian Williams thinking, hey, if something happens to this bum knee of Jay Ajayi, I don't think he can finish the season, then Damian Williams is going to get all his volume. Jay Ajayi knee? Jay Ajayi no knee. <laughs> Bless him. As someone with knee problems, um, I, I, I can feel for him. But that doesn't mean I have to draft him or play him at all. Damian Williams was out playing Kenyon Drake with the exception of this one random 50-yard run where the Dolphins called off tackle when the opposing defense was blitzing on the right side, was swarming the right side of the offensive line, and Drake just, just glided right into the end zone. Just the right play call at the right time, catching the defense off guard. It was this Jamal Williams screen pass on the 45-yard line, and he goes 55 yards untouched. No defenders can get an angle on an otherwise slow running back, and he wheezes his way into the end zone. Ugh. Yeah, that that one hurt. Um, so you've got... Uh, it was with with Kenny and Drake. It's just a matter of do you think that he like he's his matchup isn't good this week. No, I'm not playing Kenyon Drake. I think he will be regarded as a free square across the board. I I don't care. There's plenty of inexpensive running backs with high floors and others with high ceilings that I can play at that price point. Fuck Kenyon Drake, man. He's not a real running back. He's a satellite back who's not a great receiver. I mean, what the fuck is that, man? Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't like, I think there are going to be a few different options uh, this week. I don't know if he's going to be a free square. We got to be careful. We got to be careful with the, uh, the whole free square or lock monikers. When you're talking about the Miami Dolphins. Right, exactly. A team that's guaranteed to be losing. There's really no such thing as a free square running back. So let me get this straight. Negative game script, bad offensive line. That's not a free square, man. Not mm-hmm. to mention the player isn't good. So the talent isn't there. The situation's bad. How is this a free square? Explain this to me. No, I don't. I mean, and he's, he's it'd be different like if he was minimum salary. But we just talked about Burkhead. And, and on DraftKings, Burkhead is $100 more. Yeah, the same price. Yeah. Right. Yeah, McKinnon's 5100 right. Burkhead's 5 Kenyon Drake's 49 Duke Johnson's 48 Adrian Peterson's 48 And Adrian Peterson is at home against the Rams, who give up a significant amount of fantasy points to opposing running backs. Sure. And of all those players, Kenyon Drake is by far and away the least talented of the running backs I just listed. So get out of here with Kenyon Drake. What about Kareem Hunt, though? Because I do believe Kareem Hunt is talented. Now, I was not buying Kareem Hunt at his ADP at any point this offseason. Yeah, I was. Because (laughs) I viewed Kareem Hunt as a satellite back plus. I evaluated him more similar to Alvin Kamara than I did Dalvin Cook, for example. I thought Dalvin Cook looked a part of an every-down workhorse much more so than Kamara or Hunt. But I thought in those systems, those skill sets would be hugely valuable. So then Kareem Hunt is promoted to essentially his level of incompetence, the Peter principle in the NFL, where you make a satellite back, a primary back. This is what happens as the season grinds on and a running back that's accustomed to carrying the load at Toledo is carrying the load for the Kansas City Chiefs in his first year. Should we be surprised that he's not able to sustain what he was able to do in September? Really? Really? I think there was some regression due there. I was, um, you know, I had a few Spencer Ware shares during the the preseason during best ball. Uh, and I just thought, okay, you know what? He, he might not last the whole season, but he at least will have some good matchups to start out the season. And then when he went down, I was just so sad that I didn't go all in on Kareem Hunt because of uh, those first three weeks, <sighs> he was just amazing. And even before week one, he is a good player. Yeah, he is good. And he got drafted early. And, uh, and I, I th- this was like in our home league. So, it's a 14-team league. He got drafted early in this league, and in the third round, and I offered my fourth-round pick, which was uh, was which was Allen, uh, Keenan Allen, and uh, the next year's fourth-round pick uh, as well for him. And I'm I'm glad that that didn't work out. But I think that we we could see some regression coming. I think what we could not see is how bad this Kansas City offense as a whole has been. You look at the past two matchups. Um, those were smash spots. Um, yeah. To score 30 plus points based on what we saw from Kansas City earlier in the year. I don't know what the hell's going on. So this is like a tale of two seasons. And we had a sports psychologist on last week. And honestly, a lot of stuff that he was saying, I just, um, just like, okay, whatever. This is common sense. People that listen to the show know what recency bias is and all that other stuff. But when you think about it, as far as, uh, for instance, let's take, let's take Kareem Hunt. Let's take Dak Prescott. 
Uh, let's take these guys who started off so strong that we had and high in so regards in the past two weeks have just been absolutely terrible. And now let's try to figure out, okay, is this just some regression or is this something that we need to be worried about? If you got Dak Prescott, do you play him this week? Do you stream uh, another quarterback over him? Because right now he's doing all the things that he didn't do last year that we applauded him for. And the same thing with Kareem Hunt. Is he a product of this offense that has been really bad? So are they due for a bounce back? Are they really this bad as what they've been for the past two weeks? Or are they as good as what they were the first three weeks? I think the answer, honestly, kind of lies in the middle. Way to have a take, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is where the host chair switcheroo has bitten Dave. Dave's like, why don't I, this is why I like being the host. Now I yeah. remember. No. Getting berated by a host sucks. <laughs> Kareem Hunt this week is 6,900 on DK. Nice. His touches have been going down, though. Trying to get inside the mind of a guy like Bill Belichick, trying to get inside the mind of Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been frustrating fantasy owners for a long time. Well, who would you rather play? Jordan Howard at 6,500? No. Tevin Coleman against Minnesota? Mm, Maybe. Probably not. Christian McCaffrey? Uh, At New Orleans. Sets up nice. I can see a lot of DFS experts weaving theories about a high-volume Christian McCaffrey game at New Orleans, high-scoring right. Christian McCaffrey. Got to play him, got to play him. Kareem Hunt, what did we talk about with Alvin Kamara? You follow the opportunities. You mm-hmm. follow the carries, the touches, and expect efficiency to revert back to a mean. If you're following that methodology, then you're playing Kareem Hunt this week, even against the Jets, who don't allow a lot of fantasy points to opposing running backs. You have to think that that the offensive efficiency overall will improve eventually. They can get a lead against the Jets and then milk some clock in the second half and get Kareem Hunt going. It seems plausible, man. I have a real zeal right now to just nail this Kareem Hunt call every kind of way, mm-hmm. right? To... Pound the sell high drum in October and then start playing him just at the darkest moment before the dawn. I want to do that. That's how I want to play this Kareem Hunt game. Yeah, well, the uh, you know, the issue is that he is and we saw this and we just kind of chose to ignore ignore that he's just not a bell cow back like we thought leading into the season once Spencer Ware was hurt. We're fantasy wanting. We wanted him to be that, even though his profile suggested that's not who he is. Yes, and West, the past three weeks, you know, when he's in on these last-minute drives, on the two-minute drill, when he has four more targets over the past three weeks than the the guy that we wanted to be the – the bell cow back here when he, uh, when when he's only being in there for you know two thirds to three fourths of the snaps then you know we want a little bit more from our guy and twelve opportunities last week I just mentioned chasing the opportunity share yeah that, that you fall back on the opportunity share well what happens when the opportunity share evaporates and that's what's happening you know that Kareem Hunt right. has one game this season with more than five targets. 
one game this season with more than five targets. You want to see a handful of these games where the bell cow back, who is extremely effective in space and has great hands, can get up there in that eight to 10 target range. You want a couple of those games on the game log, and you're not seeing that with Kareem Hunt. So that's a concern to me as well. It's both the 11 carries, the nine carries, the nine carries again in the last six weeks three games with 11 or less carries, and you're not seeing the target share either. So this is all a big concern, but I want to play Kareem Hunt at some point. Maybe it's not this week. <laughs> you know, Maybe it's not this week, but like you said, it's situational too. I mean, the game before that against the Giants, 18 carries. Right. So he will have games where he gets well over 20 opportunities in December. It's going to happen. You just have to pick your spot. The Jets feels like a spot to do it. The law of averages says that this Kansas City offense is going to eventually get inside the five-yard line right? where he has some touch on equity. I mean, he hasn't scored since September, Dave. Right. He hasn't scored since September. This is amazing. Since week three. This Kareem Hunt journey has been amazing. It's been sad for those of you that traded everything for him in Dynasty in <laughs> September. You traded Keenan Allen and Brandon Cooks for Kareem Hunt. You're very sad right now. I understand. I'm sorry. You're also a sucker, right? You're also a recency bias soaked sucker. So understand that listener who traded everything for Kareem Hunt in September. I'm looking at you. You need to do better, but I'm with you. I understand that Kareem Hunt is exciting. I'm still excited by him. I still think he's a good player and I want to play this exactly right. I just, for some reason, I just, I want to finish out the season nailing Kareem Hunt at every point on the dartboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, uh, it, and, you know, you look at, if they could just give him some more target, if they just gave him some of the targets that, that they're giving West, if they're one target last week, if they let him oh. in, like, he's not playing in, he's a good receiver, man. Yeah, but he's not playing in crucial spots in no. the game. High leverage situations, they have Sharkandrick West in the game. Right. He doesn't fumble. I don't understand that. He's not a fumbler, man. Yeah, I've. Uh, it, I mean, I, it just makes me sad. It makes me sad. I played him on Fanduel last week, and, and luckily I, I had Julio and Antonio and Tevin Coleman to kind of, you know, to smash anyways. Wow, but, nice job. Look at you. Oh well, thank you. Right, I, I saw you back into that. Yes, screenshot life. If you take a look at what they should have done last week, even the, like Kelsey, like just oh. this Chiefs offense. It has to be it has to be very good like it was very efficient like it was those first few weeks of the season for Kareem Hunt to be a thing. He's 6900 and it's crazy that he's 6900 on DraftKings and he's still not a sure thing. Yeah, I'm still not excited about it. I'm trying to talk myself into it and I can't. I'd rather have Deion Lewis. Yeah. Than Kareem Hunt this week. Totally fair. A lot of these guys have more upside now than Kareem Hunt, including Jarek McKinnon. It's crazy that now Jarek McKinnon and Kareem Hunt are in similar situations. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Last week, Travis Kelsey was more expensive on DraftKings than Rob Gronkowski. Is Travis Kelsey ever a better GPP play than Rob Gronkowski, given their respective offenses? That's, that's a tough one. Can't be. I think the answer is no. I set that question up so you could just say no and we could move on, Dave. Because, no, I, I because think... one guy's Rob Gronkowski on the Patriots, the other guy's Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs. How is Travis Kelsey ever a better GPP play? How could you ever create this model in fiction where Travis Kelsey's ceiling is higher than Rob Gronkowski's? Ah, uh, man, you're, I mean, this is like hot take 
I don't even feel like it's a hot take saying that right now they have similar ceilings. Um, now, did you see the opposite polar opposites last week? Yes. Uh, but before that, I mean, one of the reasons what we saw what they did against the Giants, what the Chiefs did against the Giants, just an absolute turd that they dropped and Kelsey still smashed. You know, a lot of people picked Kelsey to to outscore Gronk this year in seasonal because he should be kind of the, the featured guy there. Meanwhile, you just never know. There's so many different options there in New England. I don't know if you can say that Gronk is just always going to be a, G, a better GPP play than Kelsey. Well, now that the receiving options have narrowed, you have Hogan out. Yep. You have Gillisley inactive. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the number of options that Brady has in the red zone has narrowed. Martellus Bennett's on the IR. We're down to Brandon Cooks, Rob Gronkowski, Amendola, Rex Burkhead, Amendola, James White in the red zone. Yeah. That's not a lot. Stack rank those options in the red zone. <laughs> You're turning over the Rob Gronkowski card every single time. The other players I listed are either running backs or midget receivers. Rob Gronkowski stands seven inches taller than the next receiving option I just named. Chris Hogan, uh, that it, that injury has played into it. It just depends on the matchup. It just depends on also the salary. So last week, Gronk was $400 cheaper than Kelsey. Yes, he was the better GPP play. If Gronk is $400 more than Kelsey and oh. Kelsey is in a good spot. All right, fair. Assuming similar price points. You always have to assume... I'm assuming similar price points as we've seen on the various DFS platforms the last few weeks. I've always looked at those two options and shook my head going, this is Gronk, bro. Yeah. I just wanted to call up DraftKings. I wish there was a phone number, right? Just 1-800-STEAL-MONEY and just call the number and say, it's Rob Gronkowski, bro, and just hang up. That's what I want to do. And that's why those previous two games were so frustrating. I've got so much Gronk in best ball leagues. Um, and I was just like, why Why is he only getting six targets? Oh. All right, let's play a game. Okay. Bust or no bust? All right. Do you notice how I sort of went deeper with my voice there? Emphasized it? Yeah. I'm going to modulate my voice later so it'll sound cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> Can you modulate my voice too? Look at you. You have host envy. Host chair envy has <laughs> overcome David Kitchen. Yes, you could say it too. The game is called Bust or No Bust. Go. Bust or No Bust. Oh, that's going to sound really good when I modulate your voice, Dave. <laughs> modulate me, baby. Modulate, baby. All right. Cam Newton. Bust or No, no bust. bust. No Bust. No Bust. This is rapid fire, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned this. Rapid fire. Also, the rapid fire sound effect. You're going to love this show if you listen back. You'll never listen back. You're too busy. But if you did, (laughs) this whole section of the show, it's going to be a production masterpiece. Kids that learn how to podcast in college 10 years from now will be writing papers on how we do bust, no bust, rapid fire segment. Can Can I just be completely honest? Go ahead. I don't listen to this podcast every week. I do listen to pretty much every rant that you put up on YouTube because that's my favorite part. I love the rants on YouTube. Love them. Oh, yes. I know. I need more rants. The YouTube channel needs more curation, and we have people that are working on this around the clock, Dave, at Roto Underworld, and we're going to improve the channel. It's been a very busy couple months for us. We've been pretty much nailing all these players left and right with advanced metrics, so I apologize. But we (laughs) will be better 
posting more rants online very soon. Oh, the off season. That's all we do. Dak Prescott, bust, no bust. Oh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say bust. Bust. It's a bust. Sorry, everybody. Just in time for the fantasy football playoffs. He got you there. And you're going to go down with him in the starting lineup. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong on that one. Is it the same case with Leonard Fournette? Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say no bust there. So rebound. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say he he rebounds. He's getting the volume. I know that he hasn't been elusive. I get that. <laughs> yeah, I like to say that that way again. I love how you said that. It was almost like he's a parent at your school and you're going yeah. to see him tomorrow. Yeah. And you felt so bad saying it, but it's a truth that we've all come to terms with recently. Yeah, it's a compliment sandwich. You say uh, something positive, then negative, then end it with a positive. That's right. um, so I, I know. Not he, elusive, really. He's got volume. He's not exactly elusive. I said you had volume, Mr. Fournette. I mean, yeah. I said you had volume going for you. He's not that elusive. Well, that's not an intrinsic trait, you know. However, a, a, with the exception of, I think, and not, not even like the Seattle is like a huge defensive juggernaut now, but no. this, his schedule is so good mm-hmm. rest of season. Mm-hmm. I like it. So I'll say mm-hmm. no bust. I like the rationale. Amir Abdullah. Bust. Oh, bad. I mean, this was a lot of hope infused in Amir Abdullah. You remember the 2015 preseason Amir Abdullah ADP weather balloon that went up in the sky, right? You remember? Yeah. That and was I was fun. all in on him last year. I posted yeah. that video about me dropping him, and I didn't even have to look at other people's team because in every single league, ESPN, Yahoo, my fantasy league, fan tracks, I had him in every single league so mm-hmm. I could take a screen cap when he got hurt of me dropping him. So I've been a Amir Abdullah fan in the past. Not this year, though. No. Dominant college running back, efficient college running back, 98th percentile burst score, 98th percentile agility score, 81st percentile bench press, 98th percentile spark X score on playerprofiler.com. Productive, athletic, and yet not good. <laughs> it's crazy. But that's Amir Abdullah. Doug Martin. Uh, I, I will say bust. I mean, I... This is just me. This is just us valid. This really isn't a question. This is just us celebrating Doug Martin being terrible. Yeah. And us talking about how terrible he was. And you don't draft players with PED suspensions. All the red flags that are stacked up. There's a stack of red flags to my ceiling. I can't even get out the door because when I open the door, just all these red flags just are jamming the door shut. I can't even open the door because of all these red flags. And I just wanted to yeah, kick a man while he's down. He's concussed. Redouble, triple, quadruple confirmed Doug Martin not being good with you today. Yes, Jaquiz Rogers, uh, Charles Sims, and now Peyton Barber just feasting on his remains. I love that visual. <laughs> Jordan Howard. Oh, uh, you're lamenting this? Uh, I'll say bust. Yeah, dude, just say it. This is easy. I know, but I love Jordan Howard. I love Joe Ho. Oh, he's just he's, he's just stuck ooh, in a bad situation. Ooh, I you're love a Jordan him. Howard enthusiast. I am sorry. Oh, uh, you you like Tariq Cohen? You didn't get the memo that he's on the Bears this year. He's well, he's on the Bears last year too. That's why I say he's a bust. He's he's gonna have good games. He's gonna have bad games. Second round pick Jordan Howard is a bust. James White. <laughs> Super 
Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl, everybody. Did you say him? He's the real MVP. <laughs> Des Bryant. <laughs> um, I'll go with bust. Gotta be a bust. It's sad. For everything we've enjoyed this season, from Jarek McKinnon to Alvin Kamara, sad seeing a guy like Des Bryant labeled as a bust. It's just hashtag sad. You know what all, what's happening now with all these questions? It's like there needs to be a Sarah McLaughlin um, like montage of all these players just in the arms of an angel. And just like bust, bust, bust. All these guys that we had high hopes for. Do they actually do that again because I do do a lot of music accompaniment on the show. Yeah. Sing that a little bit. Do, do a little ditty for us and I will play the track down there. In the arms of an angel. Nailed it! In the arms of the angel, One of the great moments in Roto Underworld Radio <laughs> history. Just now, David Kitchen singing Sarah McLaughlin. If you don't know, now you know. No dignity with this guy. I hope Des Bryant listens. Maybe that might make him feel better. Devontae Parker, bust, no bust. Bust. Sad thing, Devontae Parker. All the talent in the world can't get his head on straight. I really, if there's one player that makes me want to just jump into the body of one of these cliche, generic sports analysts and just spout all the gibberish that they spout, getting in the heads of athletes and chastising athletes for not working hard enough in the offseason and all the jibber-jabber that we are inundated with in the offseason especially i want to be that guy when it comes to Devonte parker i just want to be cliche sports radio gas bag hammering Devonte parker for not wanting it enough not loving the game no attention to detail doesn't approach it the right way not a true professional Devonte parker should be embarrassed making millions of dollars playing a game and failing at it all the talent in the world. I, I ran out of steam there. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it already. <laughs> Jeremy Macklin. Ah, uh, bust. Oh, I was wrong there. Oh, loud wrong. Matt Kelly never admits to being wrong. Oh, the Podfather never says he's wrong. I'm wrong about Jeremy Macklin. I thought Jeremy Macklin was the signature mid-round value receiver after Adam Thielen. And no, no. Joe Flacco is a problem. Yep. Sammy Watkins. Uh, I, I'm just going to say, I, I'll, I'll say it even with the injury. I'll say bust. Even with the injury to Robert Woods. He's just like, can we get him 10 targets, please? He was in a spot to be the fantasy point leader at the wide receiver position for his team last week. Yeah. No Robert Woods. Smash spot. And yet, no. Is this his, like, no. I know he only caught four of nine targets. He finally got nine targets. Inefficient. He's inefficient. He's not a good player. He's not, I shouldn't say that. I take that back. Sammy, if you're listening, you and Dez, you're good players. Okay, it's just there's an efficiency problem here that stretches back years. The 2015 mm -hmm. season is the one season on the Sammy Watkins resume where he was efficient. Top five production premium, target premium on playerprofiler.com. But the Bills traded him. This has been a good offense 
and now he's in a good offense, and he's not getting targeted. He has a quarterback this year who's throwing for well over 300 yards on the regular, unlike previous seasons, and yet he's not enjoying the fruits of that prolificness. And you've got a, a running back there who draws attention, who he thought that that would that would give him you know a lot of opportunities. It has afforded him some opportunities. Three touchdowns last four games. But, but when you're talking about, you know, you look at one catch, two catch, three catch, four catch. It's like a children's book. Yeah. Rookie slot receiver Cooper Cup was the go-to receiver last week, not Sammy Watkins. And what does he get this week? Now he draws Patrick Peterson this week. So you're damn right we're going to call him a bust heading into week 13 against top cornerback Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson looks like vintage Patrick Peterson, and he's shadowing number one receivers on the outside, which means volume will funnel to Cooper Cup this week. So Cooper Cup is the play. Bench Sammy Watkins. He's a bust. What about Golden Tate? Um, I'll say no bust with Golden Tate. Yeah, we're not ready. I get it. We're not ready to call him a bust. What about uh, Cameron Bright? A bust. I mean, you suckers. <laughs> you suckers. Thinking Cameron Bright was a full season play in the shadow of OJ Howard? Hey, yeah. OJ Howard? Who cares about that guy? Are you kidding me? Oh, OJ Howard's just a blocking. What? OJ Howard's not just a blocking tight. Are you not watch college football? How are you drafting and relying on Cameron Braid in fantasy football? Well, to be fair, to be fair, if they watch college football, they might have thought that OJ Howard did pass block a lot because they didn't feature him as much. But you saw that Clemson national come title on. game two years yes. ago. I mean, come on. Come, it's Cameron Bright from Harvard. Give me a break. <laughs> Even the Harvard to Harvard connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick is not strong enough. The targets are now going to OJ Howard as they should. Cameron Bright enthusiasts are suckers. What about the Kelvin Benjamin enthusiasts? Oh, it's over. I know he's a bust, but is that over forever? Is he ever going to be fantasy relevant again? Um, it's. It... People are going to try to make him a thing just because of his size. So he will be relevant. He'll be a thing. ADP-wise, his right. ADP will be on the radar. Production-wise, I don't see it. No. Uh-uh. He just does not, like, uh, He's a, like they can get other big guys out there. Right, but it's, people are chasing the brand name, the first-round right. pick, the 6'5 receiver. Meanwhile, sure. there's a steadier, under-the-radar value-wide receiver like Mohamed Sanu every year. Yeah. Has there been anyone steadier than Mohamed Sanu this year? He's been he's been solid. Obviously Ooh. had that uh I think one week he was was injured, but even when Julio Jones goes ham, Sanu still is there. Like Sanu is that uh that best friend in college. That they're not the coolest guy. <laughs> they're not the you know, they're not the one the wingman that's going to help with the ladies, but they're always going to be there to help you with your homework. They're always going to be there to give you a ride home. That's what Adam Thielen was. Yeah. But then suddenly last three weeks, the month of November, uh, it seems gotta... he's officially surpassed Stefan Diggs as the preferred option in fantasy football. I mean, that's happening, right? Like similar price point, like the Kelsey Gronkowski comparison yeah. I laid out earlier at a similar price. You're going Thielen now. I'm going to brag uh, just so I can get a player profiler plug in here. Yes. Because I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen nice. last year. Nice. 
And um, everybody was playing. It was some other backup uh, wide receiver. Oh, um, it was Cam Meredith with the Bears. Everybody was on Cam Meredith. I said, I like this Adam Thielen guy. And I got laughed at. I got scoffed at in a chat by Drew Dinkmeyer. Scoffed by Drew Dinkmeyer. And he berated me. Well, it's funny. I'm writing this down. I am writing this down. I have a notebook, a black (laughs) Roto Underworld notebook where I write names down of those that offend the sensibilities of the underworld. I'm writing this down. (laughs) D-R-E-W, Dink Meyer. Matt, let me tell my story. (laughs) So... The host chair got you again. He goes, uh, he he just is berating me in this chat. Well, I'm like, I I like this guy. You know, a hometown kid's got some good measurables. I'm like, okay, let me look up his player comp. So I go to play pro, playerprofiler.com. His player comp was Marcus Wilson at the time. <laughs> that is Drew's favorite player because that is the guy that won Drew a million dollars. And like if Drew has never been one to just shut up. At that point, he just let out a whelp and he could not say anything else because anything he said negative about Adam Thielen would be something also negative about um, uh, about Marcus Wilson. The transitive property. It was an amazing moment. Any anytime you can have like a gotcha moment over one of your best buds who know who, you know, know everything. Those are the moments to cherish. And as it turns out. Adam Thielen is much better at football than Marcus Wilson. He's Jordy Nelson 2.0. He really is. He really is. He really does look like Jordy Nelson and Eric Decker had a baby. And even last year before he, and this is one of the reasons why, like some of the catches that he was making just when he was getting one or two targets a game, they were really nice catches. Oh, yeah. These over-the-shoulder, right. high degree of difficulty, bailing his quarterback out on third down. Oh, God. I could talk about this guy. How much of a steal was Thielen for, to the Vikings? Hometown kid, undrafted, and they don't even need Laquan Treadwell. They don't even need Kirill Patterson. You know why he ended up at Minnesota State, right? I don't. He played all the sports in high school, and he couldn't decide what sport to play. He really wanted to be a basketball player. That makes sense. And he never gave the big programs the warm and fuzzy that he was truly committed to football. Because he's such an incredible athlete. His hand-eye coordination is some of the best in the league. That's why his hands are some of the best in the league. I mean, when you have a 75% catch rate back-to-back seasons in the NFL, that's exceptional. That's Doug Baldwin level hand-eye coordination, and that's what Adam Thielen does. So Adam Thielen reminds me also of a Doug Baldwin if Doug Baldwin were 6'3". Yeah. I mean, imagine a big Doug Baldwin. I mean, that's exciting. If you're not excited by a big Doug Baldwin, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about with the sport of football. That would be exciting, and I think that's really what he is. He was such an exceptional high school athlete, like Mr. Minnesota, but he just couldn't figure out what he wanted to do sport-wise until he got to college, and he really fell in love with football at Minnesota State is what ended up happening. And at that point, you know, he's at Minnesota State. And when you're at Minnesota State, if you don't dominate at an exceptional level, you're not going to get drafted. I mean, Jeff Janis led all of Division I AA in receiving yards, and he was a seventh-round pick. So, Can I ask a question in the game of uh, bust or no bust? Oh, yeah, bust or no bust. Doug Baldwin. 
I was going to, I had Doug Baldwin on there, and then I said, no, nah, it's too early, and I deleted it. I swear to you, I had Doug Baldwin on there. This is a guy we thought was going to be a top five wide receiver at one point. No, he's absolutely a, an ADP bust, but he's not a bust because he is usable. He will be at least a flex option for the remainder of the season and be productive, but he will underperform his ADP by the end of the season. That is true because Paul Richardson has stepped up. Paul Richardson and Jimmy Graham are now commanding five to 10 targets a game. And in an offense that doesn't throw the ball 45 times a game, well, the target distribution is yeah skewing away from Baldwin. And if he's not getting the 10 targets, his upside is capped, man. When he gets 10 or more targets, he, he generally just, he feasts. He needs that though. Three targets last week. No, he needs that because he's not a long distance receiver. Two catches. He's not a big play guy. Two catches each of the past two weeks. That's not him. That's not his game, man. He's a volume slot receiver with no volumes. Useless. I know, but if you told me that that Seattle could not run the ball this year and they would be throwing more, I would have said yes. All in on Doug Baldwin. Oh, yeah. If you gave me the environment in which Doug Baldwin currently exists, the situation, I would have been drafting him every time. I would have been pushing the button on Baldwin in the third round in every draft room, but week in, week out, you're not sure who will lead the wide receivers and targets. Will it be Baldwin or will it be Richardson? As it turns out, Richardson's really good. Yeah. Richardson was great at Colorado. He has a nice athletic profile, and Russell Wilson enjoys throwing the ball to those outside wide receivers. He has the talent to do it. Russell Wilson has the arm strength and the accuracy downfield to use receivers that can get open downfield. Lockett can do it, but Richardson can do it even better. Yeah, I just think that um, it's it's just crazy. I just trade him in a keeper league. It's crazy. I just I traded for him, uh, and I traded away Marvin Jones, who I, uh, I got in the ninth. So I'm just trying to make a push to win the championship this year. So I gave up Marvin Jones in the ninth, and then we have these two stinkers. I'm just like, why did I do that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe it's me. Is it me? It's probably me. Oh, when you acquire a player, he immediately starts playing bad. Yeah. You think you're the deciding factor? Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're affecting the play on the field, Dave. They know about your fantasy teams. Just science. Did you recently trade away Keenan Allen? Is that what happened to Keenan Allen? Does that explain his awakening? No, 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 no. I, I've got Keenan Allen. I've got him in so many best balls. He's like keeping yes. my best balls afloat. Nice. I, I will say this. I there, there was a time in the middle of the season where I doubted him. And there are a lot of different options there in San Diego. I still don't know. None of those are any good, though. He's the one good receiver they have. But sometimes it's just um, it's kind of unfathomable. Infathomable? Unfathomable. That's one of the hardest words for me to say. Yeah. So it uh, it's difficult. To, yeah, it's tough. To, it's tough to, to understand like the usage of Hunter Henry in that offense. Um, it's it, and Keenan Allen should be getting more targets. There was like that little bit of a lull. I think they figured it out. So if you held on to Keenan Allen, oh yeah, kudos, kudos, big time. Because Tyrell Williams no longer a thing. No, Keenan Allen is. Yeah, 
going to lead all receivers in targets in the second half of the season. I mean, you can write that down. The only one that you could even say might approach it would be Jamison Crowder based on the trajectory recently. Right. But Jamison Crowder is not in the same position that Keenan Allen is in. The nice thing about Jamison Crowder is, like Keenan Allen, it's a high-volume offense that likes to throw the ball, and they like to throw the ball in the red zone. So all lights are turning green across the board on the Jamison Crowder profile. I mean, could he lead the NFC in targets this year, at least for the rest of the way? Um, I don't know. I don't know. He only hit, what did he have last week? 10 targets? I think he had 10 targets last week. I think he's going to be a double-digit target guy every week for the remainder of the season. I don't see any reason why not. No Terrell Pryor. Josh Doxson is not a high-volume guy. I question whether Jordan Reed will be back at all this year. Mm -hmm. They have marginalized Vernon Davis. No more Chris Thompson. So we talked about this in New England how there's no team with a target distribution that has narrowed more dramatically than Washington. Are you talking about second half of the season or season overall? No, just for the second half of the season. We're just looking okay. for you know week 9 through week 17. When you look at the NFC, will Jameson Crowder be the target leader for that period of time? I say the NFC, it's a rhetorical trick because that doesn't include Antonio Brown, that doesn't right. include Keenan Allen, that doesn't include DeAndre Hopkins. Jarvis Landry. <laughs> it's a rhetorical trick. Right. Again, the host chair right. doing what the host Sure does, Dave. Sure. <laughs> so, so uh, I would say that uh, that he he might he, he might. might he might. That's all I needed, man. That's all I needed was a might. I think it's going to be between uh, he and probably Thielen. That's right. Yeah, I think those are the two. Absolutely. But not Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey, more of a big play guy. Yeah. Could he be a top 10 receiver the rest of the way? Yes. Because of the offense that he's operating in as the alpha dog. Who doesn't want the alpha dog receiver in the Eagles offense? I mean, without even knowing who it is, right? Right. And it's not. It's nice that he is now kind of the alpha dog because it, see, it seemed like for a little bit he was getting like the, the middle of the season. Man, he was very frustrating. Right against Washington and San Fran. Like I, I know those were were tough matchups against Washington, against Carolina, against Arizona, um, even against the Chargers. So he had some really tough matchups. Brutal. But you, yeah, you look at at uh, the schedule he has coming up, and just recently the number of targets that he's getting and, and touchdowns and 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 opportunities there. I, I love Alshon. Well, this week he gets Seattle without yep. Richard Sherman. Yeah. Then week 14 against the Rams. That's a difficult matchup. Yep. Then he gets New York and Oakland to finish out the fantasy playoffs. I like it. Yeah. I like it. How nice is Oakland in the championship week? <laughs> right? At home. Thank you very much. The only thing that can stop Alshon Jeffrey in week 16 is the weather. Uh, hold on. We had the uh, that seven touchdown game in the snow by Kevin Cobb. So, yes. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. I'm going to give myself the correct answer sound effect. (laughs) And you also had a snow game of Tom Brady against the Titans. That was Chris Johnson's 
uh, one, one of Chris Johnson's years where Brady, I think, put up five or six touchdowns against them. They scored a ton of points. So snow. Oh, so I get this is a weather take pump the brakes take by David Kitchen. Yeah, I'm saying like don't don't just immediately discount them because there's going to be snow in the forecast. Don't be a don't be a snowflake, Matt. Oh no, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't. Oh yes. Oh, I just used the emoji of the snowflake as well. You know who's not a snowflake? You know who can stand up to anything? Even Tom Savage at quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins. Is there anything more impressive than watching DeAndre Hopkins cash with Tom Savage at quarterback? I mean, that's pretty cool because the people at DraftKings, they keep lowering his salary in advance of hugely degraded efficiency because of Tom Savage and the volume more than makes up for it. He's a great value every week. Yeah. Uh, Hopkins just, he keeps on defying what we think he his worth is every, almost every week. Like he yeah. can't do that. He can't keep and he, he keeps on doing it. And people thought with Savage that he was going to be bad. And then he got Watson and then he was really good. And then Oof. Watson goes down and we think that he's going to be bad again. And he's been fine. Been fine. He's been fine. He's getting the volume. Even if he doesn't get the touchdowns, whatever. It's yeah. Getting 15 targets, he'll be fine in PPR leagues. Don't worry about it. It's like Devin Funches. You know he's going to get the targets. The targets are funneling out to Devin Funches. Was there an easier slam dunk than Devin Funches in cash games last week? I mean, yeah, this is awkward. I didn't. I didn't play him at all. <laughs> I had Cooper. I thought Cooper Cup was a slam dunk. I say that because in that zone of pricing, yeah, sixty five hundred dollars zone, yeah, there were very few options there. Right, Larry Fitzgerald, Devin Funchess, and he was the one that had the great matchup and projected to get the great target share. Hence the slam dunk. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't play him. It sounds like you did fine with Tevin Coleman. I had Julio everywhere, so you were fine. You were good. There's different ways. To win in DFS. It was Julio and Cup and then Corey Davis was my third receiver. That did not go. Keep on playing, Corey Davis. Yeah. This is the week for Corey no, Davis. You stop. thought it was last week. It's this week. Stop. We th- we've been saying that every week for the past four weeks. No, he's the target leader, Dave. Every week you open up the box score and which wide receiver is leading the Titans in targets? It's Corey Davis. Eventually, they're playing the Texans this week. The Texans give up double-digit targets to every number one outside receiver they face. Yeah. Just run the numbers on Corey Davis's target share for week 13, and you're going to play him. Yeah, but he only got four targets last week. This, like, Mariota has been the probably the biggest bust this season as far as what I had expectations for him. I was going to ask you about Mariota, but I own him in every dynasty league, and it just makes me so sad watching him, a guy I thought was a computer out there, oh. who had this je ne sais quoi ability that we couldn't measure in the red zone, and have yeah. it all just crumble around me, and have reversion to the mean and everything just, just fall on my head with Mariota. It's hashtag sad, man. I came into the show after a week I thought was fun, and I was excited, enthusiastic, energized, and more often than not, I'm just writing down hashtag sad. Yeah. <laughs> Mariota, sad. <laughs> so you've got uh, you got Mariota and, and Corey Davis, like he hasn't been efficient with his targets, but then he caught all of his targets last week. But there are only four of them. And one of the things we were so excited about Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor is their big playability. Mm-hmm. And 
and mm-hmm. coupling that with Mariota's, you know, what what like some of the things he did at Oregon, like with some of those down the field throws. And Mariota has just been so hesitant. He's been bad. And very weird. Um, after the after the Titans game against when he had four or five interceptions, I can't even you know, keep track. But uh, after the game against the Steelers on Thursday night on a SiriusXM show, I thought I would be like cute and clever and right. see how many people were overreacting. So I put out a poll. I said in Dynasty League, would you rather have Carson Wentz or Mariota? I honestly thought it would be maybe some close, but I thought Carson Wentz would win. I'm like, ha ha. 90-10, Carson Wentz. You idiots. Yeah. It, it, it didn't even hit 10%. It was like 92. To, it was the most lopsided poll we've ever had in the history of, of questions. And that's just crazy considering – all that Peter King before the season saying that he was going to be an MVP. Everybody on the Mariota train. He's got a great offense. Got uh, new weapons there. Corey Davis, Taylor, Taylor and Decker. Got a, an amazing offensive line. He, he just has been so bad. You can't explain it with numbers. You just can't. Like with Devontae Parker, sometimes you have to jump into the player's head. With Mariota, I think that his confidence was shaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's gone through his career in the NFL having not thrown interceptions, period. He just hasn't thrown interceptions. Partly that's because he has to see throws before he makes them. That's how he's wired. But also, random chance. Some interceptable passes have not been intercepted this year. They yeah. are being intercepted, and he's feeling that. Right, you have a few deflections. He's pressuring. He's uh, trying to do, you know, probably putting too much pressure on himself. And to be honest, yeah, like Terry Robisky has... The offensive coordinator for the Titans oh, had just has has this been guy. bad. No, that's not. Yeah, you can tell the plays they're calling are not yeah. sophisticated at all. I mean, if Tony Romo is going to call a game and get them all right, yeah, it's when he's broadcasting the Titans games. Even Benjamin Albright can guess what plays the Titans will run. That's when they go run, run, pass. Like it's just um, they should be throwing more. They've had a few. It, it's not just the Colts. The Browns, where they eked out an overtime win with punts and field goals, like it's just this this Titans offense has not been what we thought it was. Just like we were really excited to see the Titans offense, the Bengals offense with some of the new weapons that they got. Right. And uh, on a, a large scale, it's been very disappointing. But the Titans are number one in their division. They're first in the AFC South. So it's crazy. The coaches will get rewarded like they think they're doing a good job, Dave. They think they're doing a good job calling these plays. This is what's driving me crazy. This is what's so maddening. It's hashtag sad. He thinks he's doing a good job. The best part was last week. Corey Davis catches all four all, all four passes, and Malarkey comes out and says, Malarkey. He needs to be a better run blocker. Oh. What? Ah. What? Oh, sh- shut up. <laughs> Get like Shut up. Throw the ball 20 yards downfield oh. to him, please. Oh. Who cares about his run blocking ability? What are you talking about? Oh, Exotic God. Smash Mouth. Here's what I'll say Acquire Marcus Mariota in Dynasty if you can, especially in a super flex context, two quarterback context. Go get Marcus Mariota in Dynasty. He is a very good quarterback. We will see it sooner rather than later, partly because. I love those weapons in Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis and Jonu Smith. Now, Robbie Anderson. Woof, right? I mean, when does Robbie Anderson in a GPP, in quotes, become Robbie Anderson in cash, in quotes? I feel like you're being Joey from Friends here. If we're doing the air quotes, I guess it all depends on the salary. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> 
That's right. As far as uh, what his salary is, because it's going to keep on going up. He's like up to 6,300 this week. And that's when it's tough. It's tough. But you like he got 10 targets last week and he made the most out of them. Those were some nice throws and some nice catches. It looks good, man. By Robbie Anderson. I still think it's he's too volatile for me, but he's just been a touchdown machine. You're talking about a guy who's had six touchdowns his last seven or maybe seven touchdowns his last six weeks. I mean, it's a rare skill set. It really is. Six touchdowns last five weeks. To be a guy that's that tall and that fast, there are very few comps in the player profiler database. I mean, I looked. There's just not many 6'3 receivers that run a 4-4-1. I mean, that's after we adjust because we take a pro day time and we add five one hundredths of a second. He ran a four three six at his pro day at six three. So when you have that kind of catch radius and you're running that fast, it makes sense that you're going to be able to accomplish some big plays. You will be a splash play machine and therefore a GPP machine. Continue to play him in GPPs at will. Yeah, he was a guy that um, we we were playing in college fantasy football and the college fantasy right. DFS when he was at Temple. Right. And uh, then he was a preseason. I don't know if you remember, but 2016, he was the preseason darling. Yes. And he, people were still sleeping on him even after Nunwa got hurt this year as far as their drafts and as far as each and every week. And he has been uh, he's been a stud. I thought that the guy that for this preseason would be Chris Carson. So I kind of went all in on Chris Carson and Why looked not? like a genius yeah. for the first two weeks. Sure. And then he got hurt. But, uh, it, you know, people say you can't pay attention to preseason for fantasy. There are those few guys that are just really, really good that you can you can take a few flyers on. To quote Adam Levitan from Fantasy Labs, production is production. Right. Production, Dave, yeah. is production. Yeah, but you can get a little bit, uh, you can get a little bit sexy. So I, I drafted Chris Carson in a bunch of leagues, but I also drafted, what was it, uh, Henderson, the four-string running back out of uh, Denver? D'Angelo Henderson. D'Angelo. Yeah, I think if D'Angelo Henderson gets an opportunity, he will be productive. He's better than C.J. Anderson. That's not hard to do. That's not a high bar. Yeah, and everyone's better than C.J. Anderson on that roster. Jamal, right. uh, not Jamal Williams. Was Jamal Williams? No, the other one, Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams is better than C.J. Anderson. Everyone is better than C.J. Anderson. I have a good feeling about Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. He's been productive, and he's been delivering the splash plays with C.J. Beathard, and that's hard to do because all C.J. Beathard wants to do is find Carlos Hyde. Yeah, check down, check down. And that's all, that's his mission in life. I mean, can you believe that Carlos Hyde has over 70 targets I mean, let that sink in. Carlos Hyde has 73 targets. Why? Because C.J. Beathard's game plan is receive the football and find Carlos Hyde as soon as possible. Where's the running back? Take it down. Take it down real quick. Even tethered to that quarterback, somehow, someway, Marquise Goodwin is delivering splash plays because he's the fastest man in the NFL. So if you give him an upgrade at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, then I think Marquise Goodwin becomes the inexpensive GPP wide receiver. Am I right? Yeah, he's 4K right now on on DraftKings. Again, Chicago at Chicago. We know Chicago has done a decent job with opposing wide receiver one, but you just have to feel like there's going to be increased volume here with Garoppolo under center um, and in- increased efficiency with Garoppolo over Beathard. I get it that they didn't want to throw Garoppolo in this hot mess. 
right? Like I, I understand it, but now he's there and uh, he's got to play. And he's in, like even three weeks there, he's a definite upgrade over Bethard. So I think you have to upgrade Marquise Goodwin as well. What the hell is Jimmy Garoppolo, a China doll? Right. He's a football player. He's paid to go out and play football. Dude, listen to me. What am I saying? I am inhabiting this generic sports radio caricature that I've created. Did you hear what I just said? What the fuck? I sound like an asshole. He's paid to play football, play football, football, football. The fuck is wrong with me? Jesus Christ. Let's play a game. All right. Real or fake? Okay. You want to do the sound effect thing or do you want to? Uh, no, I don't. You don't want to? Okay. I'll modulate your voice. Okay. Real or fake? <laughs> Case Keenum. Uh, I'll... Rapid fire scenario. Okay, so the game, is it real or fake because of the, the talent or because of the situation? The environment. Whatever you want to do. All right. However you want to play it. I'll say Case Keenum, real. Whoa. Blaine Gabbert. Uh, fake. Joe Mixon. Real. Yes! That's right! Joe Mixon haters! Eat it! That's a character I can get used to. <laughs> Jamal Williams. Fake. Oh, the fakest. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. Use your full name for that one. So happy. <laughs> Made me proud. Devontae Booker. Uh, real. Yes. Yes. The best of the not great, but not awful Denver running backs. Yeah. Who saw this coming except anyone that had a brain? <laughs> it was, that was perfect. I mean, honestly, last year... I mean, honestly, the same thing played out. It, it's like the same thing. Devonta Booker is going to take over CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson is probably going to get hurt. They're going to get Capri Bibbs back in there. Three years running, right? I mean, it's just Groundhog Day. I mean, Bill Murray is a Broncos fan. He must be. Yeah. Austin Ekelar. Uh, fake. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so small Midwestern college. You compare it with Danny Woodhead? Like, is that what it is? Is that what this is? Satellite back lands with the Chargers. Uh huh. Starts commanding five plus red zone touches per game. Was a mega producer in college while also being an under the radar exceptional athlete. And you're saying this player is fake. I'm just getting you on the record here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think All he's right. a he's a little guy. So what you're saying is he's not Danny Woodhead. He's a uh, he's a little guy in a niche role. Give me fake on that. I I like how you know what that you know you know what that is to me. What's that? Have you heard of uh, Occam's Razor? Yes, that's what that is to me. You're honing in on the details that matter and canceling out the noise in a way that I'm impressed by. Well, and that's what we do on this show. We we solve problems. That's right. What about Zay Jones? Oh. Uh... Uh, I, I, I'll say real. Wow. I'll say real on Zay Jones. I know how bad he was. Don't you don't have to, you don't have to give me the game log. You're allowed to improve. You know, you're allowed to overcome adversity in the NFL. Are you not? Yeah. Jared Goff says hi. Are you not allowed to overcome adversity with a great talent profile? Yes. <laughs> what? Right. Right. Josh Reynolds. Um, scored. Eh, he scored. He's fine. He's interesting. He's an intriguing he's, guy. Probably doesn't belong in this game. Yeah. He is intriguing and will remain intriguing. What about Josh Gordon? 
Josh Gordon. That's a big one. This Everyone's asking me about my feelings on Josh Gordon. What do I think about Josh Gordon? Fantasy Mansion. What about Josh Gordon? What do you think about Josh Gordon? Podfather. What do you think about Josh Gordon? What's your take on Josh Gordon, Podfather? Fantasy Mansion. What about Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. So now I'm asking you, David Kitchen, do the work for me. Josh Gordon. Real, fake, what? I'll say real. Mm. I'm going to go I don't know on that. I'm going to remain entrenched on my hot Josh Gordon take. You don't think that, he's good? That I don't know. That I don't know. You know how old he is? I don't know. You don't know how old he is? I don't know anything. He's, I don't know. This guy is an enigma. He's 26. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 46. That's no. so funny. No, he's <laughs> he literally is 26 years old. If he, if he, it's amazing. Could, like his, his biggest enemy is himself. He's a fast wide receiver with good size who absolutely dominant. I get it that he had one good year. And after that, he was like a disappointment. I guess I have to preface it with who, you know, who's going to be around him. What's, what's that going to look like? Even in the preseason last year, though, where they had prior Coleman and Gordon and Gr- uh, Barnkowski, I thought he was going to be fine then, too. I just think that he's got too much talent for me to say fake. Didi Westbrook. Real. Right. Right. It's a tough situation. You know, it's like a real pitcher that got kicked out of the major leagues yeah. for betting on baseball. No clue you're going with this analogy. Now he's pitching in the winter leagues. <laughs> this is such a far out. And his supporting cast is horrendous, right? And, and the guys are smoking in the dugout. And that's essentially the Jaguars offense. But, I mean, he himself is excellent. He did get 10 targets last week. Mm-hmm. He does get the Colts this week. Mm-hmm. The Colts have no cornerbacks left. They're all done with cornerbacks. They will roll out no cornerbacks. And, uh, you know, I mean, duck after I say this, but Blake Bortles hasn't been terrible. I know. So it's crazy. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, you remember you're right. the preseason? They were, it was like people, the beat reporters were tweeting when he like had a completion instead of an interception. Like that's how bad he was. It's how bad he's been in the past, but he hasn't been terrible this year. He's using his legs a little more. They're, they're tied as far as record goes with the Titans. They've got a big week 17 matchup against them, but I've been, I've been impressed and I've played Marquise Lee also. And like those, I guess two weeks in a row before DD Westbrook was active. I played DD Westbrook this week against the Colts. He just has so much talent and he's another preseason guy that dominated. That's right. No, that's right. I love the theme. I love this theme. Robbie Anderson, D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook, $4,100 on DraftKings. You don't need to spend money on wide receivers and GPPs this week. You can have D.D. and you can have Marquise Goodwin both at $4,100 or less. And I'd rather have D.D. than Marquise Goodwin for what it's worth. That's why you're on the show. (laughs) That's exactly why we want to know exactly who David Kitchen's playing. Now, speaking of GPPs versus cash games, the Tom Brady-Brandon Cooks duo Obviously, a great GPP play every week. But what about cash games? I feel like that's an underrated tactic in cash. Brady cooks without Hogan. Yeah, you. I mean, you have to throw in that last part. Without Hogan, absolutely. And as long as he's not getting too expensive, they're using him... You know, like they like we knew that Bill Belichick would use him in a variety of different ways. Yeah, it's amazing. I love watching Brandon Cooks be that queen chess piece on the football field. Love it. 
Should have a good another another good week this week. Now you could argue that Kirk Cousins has an even higher floor than Tom Brady week to week. Every week, you know Kirk Cousins will deliver fantasy points. I mean, 250 yards and two touchdowns is the Kirk Cousins floor, and then he's out there throwing in the rushing touchdowns. And now there's no Chris Thompson in the red zone. Mm-hmm. So which QBs have a higher weekly floor than Kirk Cousins? Uh, I think Russ has a higher floor than than Cousins. I think Brady does. I think Brady does. I'm setting this up yeah, because I want to put Kirk Cousins in proper context. We're saying he's in the class in yeah. cash of Brady and Russell Wilson. I just want that to set in. It's very safe. I would have put him probably fourth. It's amazing. Fourth after um, Dak, but you can't say that anymore. Can't like He it. definitely has taken up uh, a few steps ahead of I do think the the injury to Chris Thompson hurt his value a little bit um and we will see going forward like they weren't they weren't great that first half uh Samaja Pirine also allows them to uh to run the ball to turn a little more clock so I just hope we're not uh, I I hope we're not mushing Kirk Cousins okay we're not going to mush him I promise we're not going to mush him and the reason why is that pricing is going to adjust on Kirk Cousins it already has Pricing's finally adjusted. It's just that you'll notice that I think when I first got started in this business, I thought that the DFS sites had these super algorithms like the sports books powering their pricing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. The players that lack brand equity are the same ones that get underpriced every week. So whoever's setting the pricing falls for the same biases that the regular fantasy player does. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. There is an algorithm. However, part of what factors into that algorithm is ownership. Oh, yes. So it's the feedback loop eating itself. Right. And so when a player is on the road, their their salary is going to be a little cheaper. When a player is going up against a defense that has uh, that is pretty good against that position that they're in, it's going to be a little bit cheaper. When a player is owned heavily the week before, mm. it's probably going to be a little more expensive. That's right. And the players that lack the brand equity yep. never get that high ownership rate week to week. And therefore, their prices remain depressed. Right. And that's why you see some of these guys that are still staying up. They're like, why are they still priced so high? Well, it's because people continue to play them. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that we, we see that with Kirk Cousins. Obviously, the, the Thursday night game this week. Yeah, it's Thursday night game against this uh, against Dallas this week. So you can't play him in the any of the big contests this week. You can play him in Thursday through Monday if you want to. But for me, that bit of insight was hugely valuable, more valuable than any individual contest tactic. Yeah. I just love hearing the insight from a true pro like David Kitchen, understanding the mechanics behind the pricing and explaining it in a way that had never occurred to me. I knew these factors were in play, but it never clicked the way it just clicked into place just now. Thank you, Dave. There's so much that goes into this, too, because uh, FanDuel is a lot looser salaries. Um, DraftKings has been tighter this year. I've noticed that. Some sharks have said almost too tight, like they can't find uh, an edge. There, There's a guy, though, at DraftKings. His name is Markness, and he was the OG there at a site called Draft Street, which was a great site that DraftKings acquired. But Draft Street, it would have it at the dollar. And it would be it would be like the sports books, basically, like what you said, like where um, a defense against the Jags was actually negative 
or against the, the Patriots. So one year the Jags were against the Patriots and they were like 28 point dogs and they were negative $6. And you could choose like these, wow. these players were like, uh, like the, the quarterback would be like $18,231, right? So um, you had all these like just random numbers to the dollar. That same guy is who does the algorithm there for DraftKings. I take it back. DraftKings, love you, love you, love you. No, 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 but but you're right. I'm wrong about DraftKings. No. I take it all back. FanDuel, though. Oof. <laughs> FanDuel, you can play pretty much anyone you want. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I Like I said, I played Julio and Antonio last week. So what you're saying is, well, that's, I love that, by the way. So what you're saying is the first week the Chiefs start Patrick Mahomes, that he will be priced ahead of a lot of established quarterbacks on DraftKings because that guy knows what he's doing. He might be. Yeah. Like you, you even look, uh, for instance, this week at Jared Cook, you know, uh, Amari Cooper could be concussed. You've got no Crabtree for the next two weeks. You think, oh, oh, nice. Um, but no, they they priced him up. So he's not the same price. He's almost $1,000 more than what he was last week. And uh, so they, they do make those adjustments. Sometimes, though, they leave a guy out. Um, it happens. Last week, Samaja Piran. Whoopsie. Yeah, they they left him they left him there in the like the primetime slate like 3600. Free square running back du jour. Exactly, the 5k. So it does happen. Okay, let's talk about the Raiders for a moment. No Michael Crabtree for 2 weeks. Are you playing Amari Cooper if he's active? Are you even yes. going there? You are. You're still yeah. going back to that well. I think so. Wow. I don't know, man. I'm pretty damaged when it comes to Amari Cooper. He had a touchdown last week. He's facing the Giants. I know. Who have no secondary. I know. No Janoris Jenkins. I know. I know. Everything is lining up, but you know what happens when everything seems to line up and you have an inefficient player like Amari Cooper in a smash spot. You know what happens, David. You know. You know. You know how this plays out. He had one target last week. He had seven, nine, ten before that. Nineteen was the big Thursday night forty-seven point performance. I think you could definitely see a double digit if he gets the volume. I think he's okay. I think it more depends on if his head's okay. I mean, he got knocked out last week, so we'll have to see. Right, it's a big if he's active, but if he is, and he's sprained. I'm just not reading. He's. I didn't even know this. He sprained his ankle. The same play that he got concussed. That's bad luck. That's just a violent collision, man. These yeah. NFL players are in car accidents every single week. I played flag football on Thanksgiving. I couldn't okay. get out of bed. <laughs> and it's five days later. And I'm nudging my wife to get up and help our daughter because I couldn't get out of bed. Five days later, flag football. <laughs> All right. So let's focus on the starts of the week to close us out here. All right. Running back start of the week. Mine, Samaj P. Ryan. I'm going to keep going back to that until his price fully corrects. So who do you got this week? Oh, this is a uh, this is a tough one because I think there are a few plays that uh, are pretty good. I I'll go with Deion Lewis. Mm, yes, he is right. I mean, how is he this cheap? This Buffalo uh, team and and this uh, prefaces by saying I was all in on Rex Burkhead two weeks ago and then all in on Deion Lewis last week. So those Rex Burkhead touchdowns were so tilting. Um, but Deion Lewis, his price tag only went up 700. He like as long as Gilsley is a healthy scratch, mm -hmm. Deion Lewis and he looked good last week. He's back, baby. He's back. It's been two years. I mean, it has been two years right since Deion Lewis's first knee injury, but. Remember, in the first half of 2015, he was by far and away the most elusive running back 
in the NFL. In fact, yeah. he had the highest juke rate evaded tackles per touch we'd ever seen through the first half of the season. We talked about Alvin Kamara's breakaway run rate at this point in the season being as high as I've ever seen. Well, in 2015, it was Deion Lewis breaking our juke rate through the first half of the season, and he's back. He's back to being the most elusive running back in the NFL, and you have to expect, of course, the Patriots will be leading the Buffalo Bills. They are a broken team. In the second half, you're going to see a lot of handoffs to Deion Lewis. Now, what about the wide receiver position? I'm all over Cooper Cup. I think the targets will funnel his way because that's what happens against the Arizona Cardinals. The number two receiver gets huge volume. I think you'll see it again. Cooper Cup is technically Jared Goff's preferred option anyway. So Patrick Peterson's going to do us all a favor and take away the Rams' second option and allow the first option to feast. Who do you got? Who's your wide receiver start of the week? Another chalky option. Like, I mean... You can go chalk. It's cool, man. Go chalk. Go chalk. I don't care. Go chalk. Good. Because I know people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, Kitchen picks the running back from the highest team total against the worst run defense. Whatever, man. That needs to be said sometimes. Sometimes it needs to be said. You go to these entire DFS podcasts, and they never mention the chalkiest player, assuming, oh, everyone's all on board, all the chalk players. No, no. Some of us have lives, man. We have jobs. We have you come on these shows, and we listen so you can tell us about these chalk plays then you ignore them expecting us to all know it already it's too cool for school man don't be too cool for school give us a chalk play this week all right i'll give you the chalk play this week it's keenan allen again yeah baby (laughs) against the browns yes at home i mean they this team knows in a in a division where every other team is just imploding like at a record pace, right? It's amazing how things have shifted, completely tilted right. in favor of the L.A. Chargers in the AFC West. Amazing. And now the Chargers are the the hot team, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're going to go away from what's been working for them, and, and that is getting the ball to Keenan Allen. So expect more in a site like DraftKings, a PPR site, just jam him in. Interesting fact about the Cleveland Browns secondary. While Jason McCourty has been a top 10 cornerback this year by every metric, right. Jamar Taylor is logging more snaps and more often matching up with the opposing team's number one wide receiver. I don't know why that is, right? but game plan wise, Keenan Allen will see a significant amount of Jamar Taylor in week 13. Please, for the love of God. Get Keenan Allen in your cash games lineups. I'm not fading Keenan Allen in 15 targets because of Jason McCourty. Right, because you know what you're doing. Right, thank you. You focus on the right sorts of details. We've discussed this. Your radar for finding the things that matter week to week is very, 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 very well programmed. Now, what about the things that matter year to year? We talked about Adam Thielen. Mm -hmm. Those Adam Thielen truthers are so happy right now. If you were an Adam Thielen truther two years ago... Just based on that college dominator he posted at Minnesota State, you won this year. You don't even need to win the fantasy championship. You're a winner. Every week, you're a winner. So is there another Adam Thielen out there that you qualify for truther status on? I mean, uh, I have been on the, the Jarek McKinnon truther bandwagon. We like Someone who has yet to break out, gurgling beneath the surface. Guy that's been in the league a few years, and most others have lost conviction, not David Kitchen. So I can't say Samaja Pirine. No. Um, I've been pretty high on Rex Burkhead. Think about your Dynasty League teams. Okay. 
Think about the taxi squads and think about that player that others have dropped that you continue to hold. All right. Uh, I think it would probably be Corey Coleman. He was a first round pick last year. Could he qualify though? No, he's a first round pick last year. No one's dropping Corey Coleman. Can I give you an example? Let me give you an example. Yes, sure. So I cannot drop and I should be dropping. I have some competitive teams that are in the playoffs and it doesn't make sense for me to hold on to this guy. But I just have this feeling that the breakout is going to be big next year. And if I drop him, no one will pick him up, but I don't care. No one's going in there. Like there's yellow tape around it. No one's allowed in. I've monopolized him across every Dynasty League team. His name's Austin Carr. Yes. He was cut by the Patriots at the end of training camp and signed with the New Orleans Saints. Now, next year, I believe that he will move into a volume slot role and play that Lance Moore role better than Lance Moore did. Okay. Um, Then I will give a guy that you already mentioned on this show. Do it. That is a rookie this year, but wasn't a first or second round pick. In fact, I think I I reached for him. I I reached for guys like Didi Westbrook this year, by the way, in Dynasty. Like Didi and Juju Smith-Schuster were my my Dynasty picks. Look at you. Look at you. You're cashing in DFS. I'm so hot right now. You're stocking your Dynasty League teams with young talent. Look at you. I also drafted Ty Montgomery last year as a wide receiver. That one was just pure luck. Beautiful. Uh, but I, I will say that Jonu Smith. Nice. What do you like about Jonu Smith? Yeah. So uh, people know, do not, first of all, he can overcome adversity. Um, if you played college football DFS, you probably played him like three or four years ago. And then like his senior year, his pregnant girlfriend dumped a pot of boiling hot water on him. And that was it for him. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. That was the story. What happened? His, he, he had a crazy pregnant girlfriend. Oh, no. Who had a pot of boiling water and he poured it on him and he, he couldn't play. The skin is an organ. Yeah. You can't fuck around with the skin like that, man. He is a guy that. Oh, my God. The Titans are already using as a rookie. Like, they're using him more than I even thought they would. Oh, he's getting snaps, my friend. Getting snaps, and he's getting red zone targets Mm -hmm. and, like, using him in creative ways. Delaney Walker's not staying there at Tennessee for forever. No, Delaney Walker does not look the part of an all-purpose tight end. Delaney Walker is an undersized tight end. Delaney Walker was actually a tweener with the 49ers and found a way to bulk up over the years— Oh yeah, had bad hands. Like that was the that was a knock on him. Had bad hands. Right. He was a tweener with bad hands and he found a way to bulk himself up over the years, but he's not a proper two-way tight end. Jonu Smith absolutely is. He reminds me of small school David and Joku. They were both there in Southern Florida, right. one at a big school with a high profile, the other not, but they have similar profiles both in production at the college level and athleticism. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I think that uh, he is capable of being a stud, especially if something happens to Delaney on that team. If if Johnny Smith becomes the focus, like I was excited about Delaney Walker missing unfortunately uh, a game because I, I want to see what Johnny Smith could do. Right. Unfortunately, Delaney Walker is just like if it's close, he's playing. He and Demarco Murray. Oh, so, right. yeah. um, I love. Jonu Smith. Walker's a fucking warrior. 
I want to put that out there. Yeah, he is. I also love uh, Derrick Henry as well, but I know a lot of people. Uh, I know a lot of other people do as. No, I am looking forward to the Marcus Mariota offense featuring Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, and Jonu Smith. That's going to happen in the years ahead, and I can't wait. I mean, you're in Tennessee. There are exciting years ahead. Yeah, and people don't even realize it. And if they can finally get a new offensive coordinator that leverages those weapons, oh, oh boy. I was so excited. I was so excited last year, and part of it is because we used to be able to play college football DFS, and all those guys, like no one really knew, uh, uh, who's this guy? from florida international who's this guy from western kentucky who's this guy from western michigan taewon taylor in college football dfs oh yeah send me to heaven play those guys we like i i would create images for the cover boys for these guys like Corey davis so like i still have those images saved on my computer just because r.i.p college football dfs but these guys are exciting guys i think johnny smith is going to be an exciting guy as well so if so if i can't use juju or dd uh give me johnny smith i'm excited about my dynasty team going forward the tennessee titans are monopolizing all the best small school talents you have Corey davis western michigan you have taewon taylor western kentucky and you have johnny smith Florida International. I love the small school players that overcome adversity and succeed on a big stage. I'm a Titans fan. I said it. I love the small school players that overcome adversity and succeed on a big stage. I'm a Titans fan. I said it. So my my di- like I don't want to I don't want to do a whole dynasty brag. It's okay. That the show's over, so you can. This is the outtakes. Okay. So yeah, ASJ. Like he's my guy. He's a guy that I might be considered a truth on because I always believed in him. You don't think a guy can get clean who's addicted to alcohol? Like there's a whole organization that specializes in helping these people with success story after success story after success story. Yeah, Jared Goff says hi. After a week I thought was fun, and I was excited, enthusiastic, energized, and more often than not, I'm just writing down hashtag sad. No clue you're going with this analogy. 90-10, Carson Wentz. You idiots. James White? (laughs) People thought he was good. Oh, the Super Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl, everybody. Did you say him? He's the real MVP. (laughs) Des Bryant. This is the third year for us, Jarek Macon and Truthers. And off he goes. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. One plus one equals two, or in this case, lots of receptions at the college level plus the New Orleans Saints equals RB1 in fantasy. I mean, my daughter is six, and she knew that math this summer. Yes. I mean... I mean, come on. You go up against the Colts, and they have no starting cornerbacks left. You're going to cash. It's going to happen for Corey Davis. He literally just went up against the Colts. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Did, did I, did I fuck that up? Wait, they're playing so, They're playing an amazing team this week. Wait, what? What? Uh, they just played the Colts, and he sucked. They're playing the Texans. No, they're playing the Texans this week. I, the other AFC South team. 
I'm admitting that I was wrong, so now I can be right. So officially, moving forward, I'm always going to be right about this. And whatever I want to talk about and whatever graphics I want to use, you know, it's like they're very cool. They appreciate someone designing their own graphics, you know, specking it all out and doing all the stats and all the, the script for the teleprompter. Right? So then I have creative license because of that. But it doesn't feel like TV at all. It's the internet. It's kind of like TV, but it's kind of not. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. The Jarek McKinnon was a fun hit, and then now clearly things have turned on the wrong side of that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The hit at the moment, those two weeks, that was all that mattered. We've moved on, man. The whole the public has moved on. <laughs> I was right. The record books and the history books have me right on that. Even though I'm gonna might end up wrong when the season fully plays out. I don't care. I've been a jerk truther. This is the third year I picked him up. Um, or or draft last year I drafted him pretty much all my leagues. This is the third year I you know, I believed in him and picked him up with a decent offensive line and when he hits, it was awesome. It's like when it's great for the brand. D-R-E-W Dinkmeyer. Matt, let me tell my story. It speaks to why the why the fade is is just it's not in our best interests as touts. Criticizing players doesn't pay. Just look at my YouTube comments when I'm against a player. It's all fucking thumbs down, man. And then no one goes back and deletes their comments after the guy ends up sucking. No one cares. You know, I'm, I'm still, according to YouTube, I'm still a fucking idiot. I'm like, dude, there's no incentive, you know, to come out against a guy hard. Like, you're just gonna get fucking buried. Yeah, I'm loving life, man. Looking out my window right now, watching others rake my leaves in the middle of the day. Yes! We've made it, Dave! <laughs> The fact that we've never seen a running back this efficient at this point in the season can only mean one thing. It's all about to end soon. Unless something happens to Mark Ingram. Well, of course. <laughs> and it's, whatever. And uh, Barnkowski. The champagne glasses are empty, Dave. My head is spinning. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> You understand that? I'm, I understand. And the room is starting to spin on me, and I'm ready to go home. I'm thinking about my bed right now after this Alvin Kamara party. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. Jaya Johnny. Jaya Johnny. Matt Kelly never admits to being wrong. Oh, the Podfather never says he's wrong. I'm wrong about Jeremy Macklin. I thought Jeremy Macklin was the signature. Uh, let me look that up. God, I think we can edit this shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. If we're doing the air quotes, I guess it all depends on the salary. He's not a real running back. He's a satellite back who's not a great receiver. I mean, what the fuck is that, man? Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. Negative game script, bad offensive line. That's not a free square, man. Not to mention the player isn't good. Um, it's kind of unfathomable. Unfathomable? Unfathomable? Yes! That's right! Joe Mixon haters! Eat it! You look at the past two matchups. Um 
Um, yeah. I think the answer honestly kind of lies in the middle. Way to have a take, Dave. <laughs> it's been sad for those of you that traded everything for him in Dynasty in September. You traded Keenan Allen and Brandon Cooks for Kareem Hunt. You're very sad right now. I understand. I'm sorry. You're also a sucker. <laughs> I played him on FanDuel last week, and luckily I had Julio and Antonio and Tevin Coleman to kind of, you know, to smash anyways. Wow, nice job. Look at you. Oh, well, thank you. I set that question up so you could just say no and we could move on, Dave. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. I've always looked at those two options and shook my head going, this is Gronk, bro. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to call up DraftKings. I wish there was a phone number, right? Just 1-800-RIP-OFF, right? 1-800-STEAL-MONEY. And just call the number and say, it's Rob Gronkowski, bro, and just hang up. That's what I want to do. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. I'm going to modulate my voice later so it'll sound cool. Okay. Modulate me, baby. You'll never listen back. You're too busy. But if you did, this whole section of the show, it's going to be a production masterpiece. Kids that learn how to podcast in college 10 years from now will be writing papers on how we do bust, no bust, rapid fire segment. I do listen to pretty much every rant that you put up on YouTube because that's my favorite part. I love the rants on YouTube. Love them. Modulate me, baby been a very busy couple months for us we've been pretty much nailing all these players left and right with advanced metrics so i apologize (laughs) um um yeah sorry everybody just in time for the fantasy football playoffs he got you there and you're gonna go down with him in the starting lineup modulate me baby I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say he he rebounds. He's getting the volume. I know that he hasn't been elusive. I said you had volume, Mr. Fournette. I mean, I said you had volume going for you. That's not an intrinsic trait, you know. Yes, Jaquiz Rogers, uh, Charles Sims, and now Peyton Barber just feasting on his remains. I love that visual. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. Oh, ooh, ooh, you're a Jordan Howard enthusiast. I am sorry you didn't get the memo that he's on the Bears this year. In the arms of an angel, Wanting it enough, not loving the game, no attention to detail, doesn't approach it the right way, not a true professional. Devontae Parker should be embarrassed, making millions of dollars playing a game and failing at it. All the talent in the world. I I ran out of steam there. Come on. Come, it's Cameron Bright from Harvard. Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, imagine a big Doug Baldwin. 
I mean, that's exciting. If you're not excited by a big Doug Baldwin, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He plays football. He's paid to play football, play football, football, football. Rah, 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 rah. DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> it's a rhetorical dra- Again, the host chair doing what the host chair does, Dave. Sure. <laughs> so, so by who was that Kevin uh, uh what was four letter last name let's play who's who was that Eagles quarterback Kevin Cobb did I get that right yes you did let's give I'm going to give myself the correct answer sound effect this is a weather take pump the brakes take by David Kitchen don't be a don't be a snowflake I just used the emoji of the snowflake as well you didn't like they think they're doing a good job Dave they think they're doing a good job calling these plays. This is what's driving me crazy. This is what's so maddening is hashtag sad. He needs to be a better run blocker. Shut up. Shut up. Everyone is better than CJ Anderson. He's a football player. He's paid to go out and play football. Dude, listen to me. What am I saying? He's paid to play football, play football, 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 run, 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 run. I sound like an asshole. Matt, let me tell my story. You want to do the sound effect thing, or do you want to... Uh, no, I don't. You want to do the sound effect thing, or do you want to... Uh, no, I don't. You don't want to... I'll modulate your voice. Okay. Real or fake? Dude, you brought it there. I'm going to delete mine, because yours was better. Yeah, who saw this coming except anyone that had a brain? Fantasy Mansion, what about Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon. And that's what we do on this show. We we solve problems. They will roll out no cornerbacks. I was probably the first person on Adam Thielen. I'm wrong about DraftKings. I take it all back. FanDuel, though. Oof. <laughs> FanDuel, you can play pretty much anyone you want. Because you know what you're doing. Right. I played flag football on Thanksgiving. I couldn't get out of bed. Because I know people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, Kitchen picks the running back from the highest team total against the worst run defense. And they never mention the chalkiest player, assuming, oh, everyone's all on board, all the chalk players. I'm so hot right now. In the arms of an angel, far away from here, and the endlessness that you bear.